That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Mrs. Weasley glanced at the grandfather clock in the corner. Harry liked this clock. It was completely useless if you wanted to know the time, but otherwise very informative. It had nine golden hands, and each of them was engraved with one of the Weasley family's names. There were no numerals around the face, but descriptions of where each family member might be. Home, school, and work were there, but there was also traveling, lost, hospital, prison, and, in the position where the number 12 would be on a normal clock, mortal, peril. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about today. Chapter 10, Mayhem at the Ministry. So Harry spends the last week of summer at the Weasley's house, and Mr. Weasley and Percy are constantly at work trying to deal with all of the repercussions from the ordeal at the Quidditch World Cup. Like, people are literally sending them howlers. So the kids get ready for school, and Harry finally tells Ron and Hermione about his dream and his scar hoarding. It is a very short chapter. I legitimately have a bunch of takes that i'm gonna pitch and it's gonna be a little weird it's not like our normal way but i i think it'll work well because i've got some kind of reaching things that i thought of while reading it okay what chapter did you read mayhem at the ministry okay i believe you when you texted when you texted me that you had a lot of stuff to talk about i was like i'm pretty sure he read the wrong chapter no 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 (laughs) i i i I promise you i i've I've got some i got some opinions and some hot takes let's do it Welcome to the restricted section where every hand on Mrs. Weasley's magic clock points to bullshitting all the time. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm proud of that one. I love that. You should be. That's a work of art. Zinger. I am charmed to be joined today by my most gregarious friend, Andrew. Say hello to the listeners, Andrew. Hello. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Good, good. And our special guest this week is Victoria Bray, mother of dog, friend of the pod. <laughs> Say hello to the listeners, Victoria. Greetings and salutations, Charlotte. We- <laughs> We're so glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been like a listener for a while, so it's weird to to be here, but I'm excited. That's the thing. All pod hosts are just pod listeners that start talking, you know? I love it. Yes. Start talking instead of listening. That's my secret <laughs> to life. We, we got tired of feeling like we were part of the conversation, actually became part of the conversation. Right. That's you know, all it is. You know, that's how it starts. I love it. Yes. Um. So, Victoria, can you tell us a little bit about your very hairy history? Sure. So, I got into Harry Potter probably around fourth or fifth grade, and my best friend growing up was Scottish, so her whole family was Scottish. So we would play, you know, Hogwarts at her house Mm -hmm. and it was very much like the environment, like, cause they are, you know, from over the pond. So it was always like, they would have tea and they would have all these things for us. So to me, it was just very much like, like, and uh, her mom, I like to this day call her Mrs. Weasley because she's just like Molly Weasley. Every, every time I would come over, she's like, 
let me give you a hug and be like, you're not eating enough and this and that. And it was so sweet. So that's when I got into it. And then um, throughout my life, especially becoming an adult, I found a lot of, I know it sounds super basic, but the quotes really helped me through some tough times. And so um, that's part of why I showed you earlier, but I have a Harry Potter tattoo is because there are certain quotes that I'm like, when things are getting bad, I'm like, can think about the quote and it just really means a lot to me. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So what Hogwarts house are you or do you like, no one has to box themselves into a house, house themselves in a house, but. So I am the first time I took the quiz, it was a Ravenclaw. And then there was a little bit of like a drama llama about that. The website was randomly putting people in some houses so that it would be kind of even Mm. on Pottermore so then I retook it like years and years later and I was a Gryffindor mm-hmm. so I'm like I think part Ravenclaw part Gryffindor but I fully subscribe to that I'm a Ravenclaw okay yes <laughs> we tend to attract a lot of Ravenclaws for obvious reasons yes literary discourse <laughs> that's us I can attest to that Victoria is one of the few people I've met that is a true like three house person oh I have a third she- you have so much Gryffindor puff. and Hufflepuff in you. It's yeah. like, it's fantastic. Like I, the veracity, which she will tackle things with that. She's like hesitant to do. It's, it's astounding. It always was fantastic to watch. I'm gonna so cry. like I said, you got, you got a lot of Gryffindor <laughs> in you, whether or not you realize it. Uh, well, and a little bit of puff. I do love plants. I have like over 30 house plants. It's become a problem. Whoa. And they're all alive. <laughs> they are. It was like my quarantine thing. I did. I think I shared it in the discord, but I made realistic potion replicas as part of my quarantine project. And then also, Oh my God, those were incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It helps, May I share you know. a photograph of those on our Instagram? Yes, absolutely. And yeah, they're uh, so dope. And then um, houseplants, yeah, they became my thing. And then I became like rescue missions for people who were like, this plant is dying. So I would go get it and try and bring it back to life. It's so Professor Sprout a little bit. Wow. <laughs> I always claim to be big Hufflepuff energy. And like my TikTok is like Professor Sprout. But here's a confession. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. <gasps> I'm really bad at keeping my plants alive. An exclusive. I, I I too have a lot of plants and like more than half of them are always dying at any given time and I just move them around and like throw my hands (laughs) up and I'm like what what do you need I think the trick is to leave them alone that's what most of them because I used to overwater (laughs) them and kill a bunch I have an app that tells me how frequently to water them and even that isn't cutting it oh then they just hate you (laughs) yeah well and they get eaten by the cats mm. sometimes too <laughs> um anyways there's my little puff confession all plants dying all the time yes well we will we will do the you know the sacrament as it is in the catholic religion we will not share this confession with anyone else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so real quick before we get started i wanted to um wish a very happy birthday to our beloved Haley. Haley's birthday was yesterday november 2nd and it is not too late to send her good wishes if she tries to decline the good wishes just send them harder okay i will happy birthday <laughs> Haley! happy, happy birthday, birthday Haley! <laughs> she'll hear this in a month i feel like she's always behind on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> like gee thanks guys <laughs> 
Also to everyone, a very happy Native American Heritage Month, um, also known as American Indian Heritage Month. Um, to celebrate, we're going to donate our November Patreon earnings to the Native American Rights Fund. And That's we're really awesome. excited to do that. Yeah. And That's um, incredible. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I have some owl mail. <gasps> Tina, are you about to ask me? No. To say, oh, it's not, it's not months. <laughs> it's not months. <sighs> I was so excited. Um, this one comes from James. James says, I have a theory that Barty Crouch Jr. used the imperious curse on Crumb to force him to end the game, the Quidditch World Cup, early to ensure that everyone would be at the campsite when the attack occurred. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense that Crumb would have done that because, as we mentioned, he wouldn't, he would know it wouldn't win the game and the Irish Seeker would have crashed in that moment anyway if he had fainted again f-e-i-n-t-e-d again (laughs) so what do we think of that i see the reasoning behind it however i do think i don't i don't think that was it because what are really his alliances i like the idea of it because i like any fun theory that you can like kind of play around with but the way that i see is crumb knew that his chaser squad was not good enough to make up that gap Right. So like he knew that even if he gave it time, they weren't going to catch up. So he had the opportunity to catch it then and minimize the loss versus Mm. trying to like wait on a miracle. You know, I just like I really don't buy that because they would have only had to score two goals. And even for like a poorly performing team, you can fluke into two goals. Like that's what it would have taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For them to win the game. So I probably, I think I said this before, I, I would have waited until it, at least like an hour had passed. Like it really is like not that far into the game. Yeah. The other, uh, the other thing about the theory and I'm not, and James, I love that you send it. I'm not trying to be like, con- or I'm not trying to, uh, dissuade or. You got it. Just do it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but the other part about it is that one of the reasons I think that it has a lot to do with crumb knowing the situation and just kind of, you know, going for it when he could, even though it means that they lost, is the way that it shows Fred and George's knowledge, you know, because Fred and George are these Mm. characters that for a very long time in these books, you kind of think it's just the jokesters, you don't realize that they're highly intelligent people. And they made Mm. that bet for a reason, because they know that, you know, Crumb is going to catch that snitch, but that Ireland's going to win. And if Fred and George know that, and mind you, they're very knowledgeable and very smart, but if they're able to make that deduction, Crumb definitely made that deduction. And so he knew that, like like I said, I, I think it was it was obvious how it was going to end, so it might as well end quicker rather than stretching it out and torturing yourself. What do you think, Victoria? Maybe the motherfucker was just tired. <laughs> He's like, I didn't even want to be in this stupid game. It's like I pre-gamed. I'm tired. Let's just catch catch the little sparkly thing. Let's go. <laughs> but that's that's actually like a really interesting question because I have read the series multiple times, but I've never really thought about that specific angle of it. And it does make sense. I've always just kind of subscribed to like, oh yeah, he caught it and it was over, and I never really thought yeah. about the why. So that's a Same. really cool like reader question. Yeah. Or a listener question. Yes. They, well, probably a reader, too. <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, James, thank you so much for that question. Let's get on to the show. Woo! So uh, it starts pretty grimly. Um, no one gets any sleep after the traumatic, like, Nazi riot. <laughs> yeah. Charlottesville. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty scary stuff. Mm-hmm. So I probably wouldn't be able to sleep either. God, no. You mean you, you wouldn't be able to sleep after experiencing a massive terrorism attack where a foreign power that used to, you know, completely terrorize the entire country that you're in decides to raise their head on an international event level? That You, you don't think you just sleep fine after that? No, I don't. So they don't they don't sleep. They they just go home for like first thing in the morning. They pass by Mr. Roberts, the campsite owner, who wishes them a Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is I, I'm going to I'm going to warn listeners now. I have a few things that really kind of hit me a weird way this read through of this chapter. And this is the first one. Uh, one of the things that that bitch does a lot, and I mean a lot, is try to make comedy out of things that like when you first read them are like lighthearted and funny, like, haha, he thinks it's Christmas. But like that dude's life could be messed up. Like bad. Yeah. We saw what happened to, uh, uh, wow. I'm vapor locking. Um, Lockhart, Lockhart, you know, the, like these charms are not foolproof and mm-hmm. it, it's disturbing how, like lighthearted and not like just ha 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 yeah he can't he thinks it's Christmas like do you really think yeah. a wizard's gonna stick around and make sure that he like snaps out of it hard no hard no there's definitely a lot of things in this whole book series that like reading them so slowly as we've been doing you you have time to be like wait hold the fucking phone what did right? you just say <laughs> yes absolutely and I think too in a I know we we know that Lockhart ends up in St Mungo's so I think like. You know, to think that this could be a potential case similar where he, you know, doesn't know where he is and this and that. And, you know, as someone who works in like mental health and I've like worked in hospitals and stuff like that, where it's just like, you know, some people do laugh at those things and you're kind of like, no, this person is sick or like this person's not well. And in this case, we don't know if it's going to be like a little charm that's going to wear off quickly or if this is going to be him for like the rest of his life. So, yeah. And it is so wild the cavalier attitude that the wizarding community takes to doing like brain stuff because Mm -hmm. like i think this is actually the only spell that's not illegal um like the you know the uh what the fuck are they called (laughs) my brain was like the forbidden curses (laughs) oh it's Um, like a synonym (laughs) but um yeah it's just really wild that they're like it's cool i'll just rewire their brain and it'll be fine and it's like how how does this not just like topple everything? Like how are you guys fucking each other's brains up all the time? <laughs> I really thought you said fucking each other's brains out, and I was like, what? <laughs> what edition are you reading? Because that sounds like a good one. <laughs> Wizards, they be fucking. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like some um, bonus episode content. We'll ooh. find us some <laughs> erotic uh, fan fiction X-rated. or something. Er- yeah, erotic fan fiction, but it would have to be of, of like the parents because you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, not the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Nope. Uh, I-, I did think of something interesting with this. So okay, we know- just the one interesting thing. Well, with this specifically, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we know that Ludo Bagman's in charge of like setting up this entire event, essentially, right? He's the director yes. of magical sports. Like this is his thing. If we already know that this poor campsite monitor uh, person is in this state, and we know that Ludo Bagman apparently has bad gambling debts because he tries to pay Fred and George with leprechaun gold. And Mm -hmm. it seems like he, from everything we hear, he's like skipping out all over town. I think that comes later on. They go into more detail about that, trying to like avoid debts and stuff. 
Yeah. What are the chances that he just took all the money from everyone who got a campsite and pocketed it and just made the guy Whoa. completely forget that anyone was ever there? That would be like a mad scheme he's got going on. Whoa. And honestly, like, L- Ludo Bagman is not, like, evil, but he is shitty. And so, like, yeah. that's, like, the shitty kind of thing that someone would do and be like, it's he's literally no different than before we got here. You know, like, I've changed right. nothing. He's like a Mundungus Fletcher type, where they're like yeah. not necessarily bad; they're just like shysty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Sus, as the kids would say. Yes. Sus as the youth would AF. put it. Hella sus. Hella sus. <laughs> the gang, the the Weasleys and Harry and Hermione, they get a port key and they dip out. Not just that; they jump the line. They and d- get a well, port key. It, the language is actually ambiguous. Because it says that there's a long queue, and then they, like, he, Arthur talked to somebody, and then they waited, and then they got a port key. So I, the line could have been going very quickly. They're just trying to get people out of there. I, I think at this point, it's one of the, like, very subtle ways that we're shown that the government is, like, protective of Harry. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Just I, get him out of here. Exactly. I think he kind of went up and was like, hey... Dark Mark literally just went up last night. Mm-hmm. I got the Potter kid. Like, let's, you know. I'm surprised they didn't try to send him home the night before, honestly. I, I, I thought about that, and I think it's probably one of those situations where with everything going on and with Arthur being one of the few ministry, well, I say few, but one of the, you know, a department lead, like a higher the ranking ministry officials there. Yeah. A middle manager. Yes, the middle managers make... All government work. They're very important people. And I think that's kind of what it is. He was like, okay, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then it probably hit him like, oh, shit, I got hairy. Like, yeah. Something yeah. I do think about, too, is like, what is the Ministry of Magic's relationship or like thoughts on Harry? Because, of course, they know like he defeated or not defeated, but he survived Voldemort and such. But they don't seem to really go out of their way to protect him. So, like, what are their thoughts? Like, do they want him? Or, like, is he, you know, towards, there's parts where with Fudge and stuff, they do, well, I guess they do protect him with, mm-hmm. in the third, with, uh, when he does the magic. And they're like, no, it's fine. But just in general, they never seem to really use him unless Dumbledore's in with them and is trying to do that. Uh, right. I think they, like, protect him to the extent that the Ministry of Magic is capable of, like, executing anything in any kind of real way. Like, when he fucks up when something happens, they're like, oh, shit, figure it out, figure it out. But I think that they they never do anything preventatively. Yeah, it's like a hands-off approach, we'll say. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the right word choice, too, because I think it's intentional. Um, you know, we at this point, Fudge still is kind of portrayed as, like, a bumbling politician that's not very effective at what he does right later on i know one of those (laughs) later (laughs) on though we uh we do see him kind of consolidate his power and show that he really is one of those people that wants to stay in power and has actually is pretty capable of doing it like he's actually pretty good at holding it until he you know it gets overthrown in a coup but what i'm going where i'm going with this is i think that what's going on is that when dumbledore said I'm going to protect Harry. Fudge thought perfect because first of all, if something happens to him, 
the greatest wizard in our world was looking mm-hmm. after him and claimed security. In fact, it's probably better. I don't even know the security so that, you know, I, I have complete ability to just wash my hands, right? Not a conflict of interest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Fudge knows even at this point that Harry is a very, he's a very volatile weapon. Because while he's very good for press and while if Harry thinks that things are going well and you can get him smiling in a picture, that's a great thing. Harry is in a unique position as a child. I mean, he's still a child at this point. He mm-hmm. he has power and sway. Now, not mm-hmm. power in the way of like actual government happenings. But as we see later on, you know, there are people that really believe in him. And he is a hero to so many people. And especially at this point before Rita Skeeter has done what she will do mm-hmm. to like really go against him. He really is kind of like an ultimate paragon right like this is the kid that beat voldemort like he's a symbol i think yes yes Mm. he's a very big symbol of basically like the the success like we voldemort's gone but like anything else when you have people with power like that it's a threat i mean that's why right now china's doing this thing where they're basically cutting off all of these uh, k-pop idols and they're not allowing them to like perform and they're cutting out their social media and stuff and the reason is because there we go. <laughs> well, it's serious. This is serious. Like they think they have too much influence, and they the government doesn't like individuals having that much influence because individuals can have dissenting opinions. It does so, make sense, though. Mrs. Weasley <laughs> <Sorry>. is incredibly <laughs> relieved. <laughs> that was just a good example. Okay, the point stands even if I used K-pop. Like Mrs. Weasley is incredibly relieved to see them uh, appear on the hilltop. Um, and she hugs Fred and George in particular because she regrets their argument. Mm-hmm. I always love that scene. It, I know. It really, it, that bitch is awful in very many ways. But one of the things that she is incredibly good at is writing like a maternal, a true maternal love that just, oh my, like the first thought is what if you had died when I had said, you know, when we had had an argument like that, that's mm-hmm. just beautiful. It always really hits me it's also really hard to knowing what we know to look back and like (laughs) read this scene is like (gasps) because that she was like oh boys like both of you are okay what would i do if like either one of you died and it's like oh no she doesn't wow (laughs) that is a forbidden subject i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) that wasn't in the contract (laughs) i can't go there mentally oh i know Um, Hermione makes uh, Molly Weasley a strong cup of tea and Mr. Weasley um, puts a shot of fire whiskey in it, which I respect that. It's a good move. It's a strong move. Andrew, you're a fireball man, right? So that's, that's you. Absolutely. (laughs) It's a hot toddy. It's my favorite kind of drink. A freaking hot toddy in the fall or the winter. Delicious. So good. Or a cold toddy in the summer or spring. (laughs) Don't let the fun stop. Wouldn't that just be watered down spiced whiskey? Who are you to judge me, Andrew? (laughs) I'm not judging. I'm just confused. (laughs) Deeply, deeply confused. So the Daily Prophet has reported making it seem like the ministry like really fucked up the whole situation, which they kind of did. But then also the press, you know, makes it feel like more relatable (laughs) to current times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is one of my uh, big first reaches, okay? Because I've got I got something to say about this. Okay. Rowling did 
a great job on the surface of describing the power that the press has and especially a misaligned gossip press, right? Like a press that's just about the headlines and trying to get clicks. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure that what she thought she was writing, even, you know, when this came out was the rise of what we now know as like buzz journalism or like essentially like fake news, right? Like try and lie, but in a way that it's either not going to be seen or is going to be kind of truthful, uh, put speculation in there. So just say, according to sources, And the point that she's trying to make is a very good one because you do have to be critical of any news, any journalism that you take in. The horrible, horrible irony in this, though, is that is exactly what she has done in the modern day as far as being a turf. She is spreading misinformation. She is basically bashing and lying about people that she doesn't even know and trying to use this sway to, in her mind, like better the public. But in reality, it is the same exact thing. It's lying and misleading and manipulating. It's a misuse of a platform. Exactly. Right. We don't need to spend too much time talking about how she's shitty. (laughs) But that was a very good um, connection to pull, Andrew. So I appreciate it. Thank you. I I know it's kind of a a deep reach. but No, but it's just funny. You, You became what you hate. I think that's what she always was, though. Like, I think she's one of those people who truly thinks that she's, like, a good person. Like, I think she really honestly thinks that. And, like, there's a few other moments that we'll get to in this chapter that really stuck out to me. Like, no, you've always been an awful person. We just didn't read it. Like, we didn't understand it. And I, I really, like, I don't think these books would be successful if they came out in this decade. Right, because books are held to a higher standard a today, I think. much higher standard, yeah. and for good reason, Just like yeah. ethically. Which is good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of ethically, um, not... We also get introduced to Rita Skeeter in this, um, because she wrote the shitty article. She'll probably never come up again later. I have a deep love for Rita Skeeter oh, in a hey. very weird way. No. Like, she is not love of anything about the character, but... She might be my favorite idea for a character because I something about this like for like she's not like a human. She's like a force. She's like a like a hurricane. She just comes in and fucks shit up and then leaves. And everyone's just left looking around like, what the hell was that? (laughs) And it's kind of like I've always had a fascination with journalism. And that's one of the reasons that I like I said, I've always loved Rita Skeeter, not loved her for who she is, but like the idea of like this incredible journalist that just is awful. Right. And then of course the irony is that's what ended up happening in the real world. But like when reading it as a kid, I was just like, Oh, like fuck her, you know, and everything that she does. And it, I don't know. I have a love hate relationship with the character. Yeah. She's an interesting character, but she's an unlikable person. That that, that might be the better way to say I don't love her. I think she's one of the most interesting, like secondary characters. Yeah, I agree. I think she's like the epitome of the saying she's a piece of work. Mm, like she is mm-hmm. the the perfect like sample for that statement. Yeah. It's a very polite um, way to put it. Yeah. I would like to personally own a quick quotes quill and here's what I would do is I would set it up and then I would be like quill. I have a book idea. They're in the woods. I don't know why, but there's a monster and it, there's no sun. They're on another planet where there's no sun. And the, the quill would just be just, like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And start writing my novel for just me. Just fills it in all the details. Yes. 
So it's like Siri, but she listens. Yes, that's my (laughs) dream. (laughs) Love Somebody, basically what I'm saying is somebody write my book for me. That would be so helpful. (laughs) Ghostwriter. (laughs) So Arthur has to go into the office to help smooth things over. He hasn't slept. If I were Molly, I would be like, you haven't slept. You can't let work do this to you. But say la vie. I guess he's a public servant. Yeah. 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 And he's also... Arthur is symbolic of that old, like, post-World War II, like, identity of Britain, right? Like, he's this Mm -hmm. guy who's, like, going to get it done, and it's for the good, and, like, I'm here for the country, this is my duty, like, this is what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to go in, they need help. Yeah. Right? And I always, like, one of the things I love about him is that he he genuinely looks at what he does as being good, and he thinks that, like, he needs to do what he can. He feels a sense of duty. Yes. Yeah. Um, Percy, speaking of duty, volunteers <laughs> volunteers to go with Arthur to help. Uh, and I can hand uh, fudge my cauldron bottom jeans. Um, <laughs> cauldron, cauldron bottom, bottom report. Jeans. <laughs> so that takes me to my first post-it. <laughs> okay. Which in the book where he says, Mr. Crouch will need all hands on deck. And I can give him my cauldron report in person. One, that cannot be that important. And two, mm-hmm. what a fucking boring piece of shit it would be to work with Percy. Like, imagine if you were his co-worker. Oh, my God. I'm imagining being fudge. And this is the worst morning <laughs> of my life. And some terrible shit just happened. And I'm trying to manage it. Everyone's calling me. Like, everyone's blowing me the fuck up. And then Percy fucking Weasley comes <laughs> and hands me paper i'm like in the middle of an anxiety attack he hands me just straight up paper and is like this is about the cauldron bottoms like no one gives a fuck percy right now percy's literal job is to be the person that takes things that people try to hand to fudge and does something different with them right and if you go up like a paragraph in the article it literally said rumors that several bodies were removed from the woods that's more important than the yes. cauldron report, sir. Like, For nobody sure. gives a fuck. God, what a boring, boring man. <laughs> so I- I'm, I'm guessing from y'all's reactions there, you've never actually worked with a real Percy? Because I, I have. I am not a very tolerant person for this kind of bullshit. Like I don't, I can't, I can't abide this kind of bullshit. I've worked with like a similar, so I'd say like a Percy once removed type situation (laughs) that I've worked with. And I couldn't, couldn't handle that. It was stupid. (laughs) When I was at my last job working at the gym, uh, I had a moment where one of our members started having a low blood sugar episode like a diabetic person that was on a treadmill and started, you know, feeling lightheaded, fell down, got booted by the treadmill across the floor. Like we were, you know, basically doing recovery until uh, EMS got there, giving it Gatorade and stuff. And as we're doing this, my front desk person walks up and goes, Hey, are you busy? A little. (laughs) I was mad enough that I was like, no, 
Not at all. I was just like super sarcastic and they didn't even realize it. They just plowed on. They're like, okay, uh, this person's on the phone and like they're mad about this late fee. And I was wondering like what I should do about that. And I just like at some point it registered that the look that I was giving them was literally one of like, I'm going to kill your ancestors to prevent you from asking me this question. (laughs) And they just like turn around. But I'll never forget. Like I'm literally with a person who we're waiting for the ambulance and they're like, yeah, so a late fee like, it's work, right. so, like, this is yeah. equally important, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought of when I was reading about my, my cauldron thickness report. That's right. what he needs after a global terror attack. Mm-hmm. That is a, a very similar situation. <laughs> yeah, equal importance. I think you're just too, like, kind of a person that, like, your kind eyes, like, cut through whatever the rest of your face is doing. <laughs> so they were like, he's fine, okay. <laughs> wow, that's something about me also. Part of me not being very tolerant of these kind of personalities is that my face doesn't lie. Like, I can't. <laughs> is it like an arresting bitch face situation or like a just, it's there? No, it's just like, uh, you'll know when you're okay. bothering me. You'll know right <laughs> away. <laughs> um, Arthur, I already read that line. Um, Harry asks Molly if Hedwig has brought him a letter, which she has not arrived from her travels yet. And then Ron, Hermione, and Harry go up to Ron's room for a little board meeting mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to speak about this. Um, Harry confesses that his scar hurt him. I keep being like <laughs> really scathingly sarcastic about it, but it is the first time that his scar has like hurt him proper, I think, in like a random way. I think so too, but it's it's funny the because that's how I read it too. He's like, my scar was hurting again. Like, oh no, it's like my back hurts every day, but I only complain <laughs> about it most of the time. <laughs> but no, I, so I got that too. And then um, as it goes on, they're kind of like the reason he didn't tell them, where they're like, oh my god, like this and that, like, and it says like Ron was dumbstruck because it's Ron. But um, okay. so like I get why he didn't tell them because they don't seem to be best listeners in this situation <laughs> that they're right like, like i get their concerns but one's an overreactor and the other one's an underreactor absolutely yeah. <laughs> yes yeah um harry does remind us about professor trelawney's prediction don't forget the Ooh. dark lord will rise greater and more powerful than ever before don't even worry about it i was just taking a little nappy <laughs> <laughs> also what 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 bothers me is that there's like it's a little bit more in order to Phoenix, but that there's no talk in the movies at all about how like Neville basically could have been like the chosen one and everything, which he's the other chosen one. The other, yeah. well, the how, unchosen one. The unchosen one. That's yeah. just, like on your business card. Imagine just like <laughs> I'm Neville Longbottom, the unchosen one. <laughs> he's so sad, but no, you're, you're right. I, I I don't think I think at this point the only person who knows that is Dumbledore. Because he's the only one who knows the prophecy in full, and he's also the only one who knows the full situation of the parentage and all that. And, you know, it's really funny because we think of Neville as not being the chosen one, so he doesn't have this, you know, hard destiny. But I would argue that, like, in a way, Neville has a way worse life than Harry. Yeah. Even with Harry being constantly thrust into these dangerous situations, like he does make it out of them. And yeah. like he always has more friendship afterwards. And, you know, people <laughs> give him house points and shit. And Neville, like, just constantly gets mocked and has no confidence because he grew up with his grandma who berated yeah, his life him. Sucks. And, 
He like hates himself. Yeah. That's the thing. I also this is probably like a real fucked up opinion, but I like I I don't know if it would be worse to have your parents dead versus them kind of the way they're sick in the hospital. Like that must yeah. be so much harder because you see them and they're alive, but like they at what cause? Yeah, like that would be yeah. so hard. Like just like they can't really remember and they can't really speak and like this and that and that just to me seems like it would be a lot harder as a child versus having them had passed away. Yeah. Well, and especially like if you ever had a relative that like a close relative, like a parent or a grandparent or someone who has had Alzheimer's or dementia, mm-hmm. when it's someone that you love that much and they don't remember your name, it crushes you. Yeah. It absolutely crushes you. And I, I got to say, in my opinion, it's an easy choice. I, I would rather have the fond memories that I did of like my parents or anyone than have to keep going and seeing them in that state. Yeah. Like, well, what about I, the notebook? Anyway, let's move yeah. on from this bummer <laughs> conversation. Uh, um, here, a distraction. Let's go play yes. Quidditch. <laughs> which, which, once again, that bitch shows her hand right here, right? Because Hermione says, Ron, Harry doesn't want to play Quidditch right now. And Harry goes, no, I want to play Quidditch. And it's so innocent seeming, but Hermione's response is, boys. Yeah. And it's like, no, he wants a distraction. Yeah. Like, that's not a, it it happens to be a sport, and I guess in her mind, like, sports are boys things, but like (laughs) She's also just, like, bossy, and she's like, when they don't do what she wants, it's like, ugh. I'm I'm thinking more of, like, Rowling speaking through Hermione here, because like, in her mind, like, that's a boy thing, and there are Mm -hmm. boy things, and there are girl things, and it's a boy thing. And it's like, fuck you. Like, just fuck. Like, I, I, I don't well, know. Obvious, obviously, like, that's not ultimately the message of this series because, like, Ginny becomes a very badass Quidditch player, but it is that kind of, like, casual language that is, right. like, that people overlook a lot of the time. I was going right. to say, just to play devil's advocate to you, Andrew, is, like, she's also, like, 14 in this, so she might not have the emotional intelligence to be able to be like, he needs a distraction because he's feeling this. And, Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. Well, it, also, she just wants to, like, resolve it. And they're like, well, let's ignore it. So, I, yeah. <laughs> Hermione, Hermione's just, she's like, what's the main thing that's different between me and them besides the fact that they disagree with me? <laughs> I'm say, I'm like her now. I'm like, men. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, boys. Some things never change. <laughs> so, la-di-da. The, the rest of the week goes on. Mr. Weasley and Percy are very absent. People are sending the Ministry of Magic howlers, among other things. I, I wish we had that option to send our elected officials letters that would explode <gasps> oh and flame God. and scream at them if they don't answer them. That, Whoa. Whew, that would be fantastic. <laughs> what power? That's power to the people right there. That is. Let me scream or, in his face. Right? Oh, my God. This letter just yelled at me. <laughs> I got a letter. It was a terrific letter. One of the best letters you ever heard. It was small and red, just like me. <laughs> Burned with fiery passion. I didn't listen to what it said. I figured it was going along with whatever I agreed with. <laughs> that sounds about right. A-, a lot of people are asking to be reimbursed for their damaged or lost or ruined possessions, including Mungungus Fletcher. That I think that's the first time we hear his name. He pops Our up main. more later. 
Um, and um, he claims to have lost a massive tent with a jacuzzi. <laughs> that would be me, straight up. <laughs> be like a wine cooler and a jacuzzi. Thank you. <laughs> this is literally my job. Mm-hmm. So my job right now is I work for a law firm doing uh, class action claims. So people that were in events like this that have major, you know, things happen and need to be compensated. That's literally what I do. And so I, I was reading, I was like, son of a bitch. Oh my God. Cause <laughs> literally like I've gotten shit like that. Like people who say like, yeah, and I happen to have a hundred thousand dollars cash and uh, my collection of Rolexes and that safe that was stolen R- really, but no proof of ownership. No, like literally all day. That's what I see. It's so funny. Damn, that's right. Come up here. I was like, Hey, it's like, I'm working. Oh, <laughs> goodness. During this little montage, we also get introduced to the Weasley clock. I literally I had a little post-it for that actually. Aww. Because I that's one of my favorite like magical inventions. A couple things about it is one, I think it's just so sweet that like with your family, you could say, like, okay, I know where they are, they're safe, this and that. But also how horrible it would be if I was dating someone who was on the clock, because I'd be like, where the fuck are they? Oh, oh. <laughs> They're at the Leaky Cauldron doing what? <laughs> it's 1150 at night. <laughs> Why are but we I... in mortal peril without me? <laughs> we said we would do that together. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have one of these for Sean because he definitely just forgets to answer my text for like half a day sometimes. And I'm like, are you at work? Like, are you doing a movie thing? Like, where are you at, bud? Mortal peril, like we said. Mortal peril again. <laughs> well, he's again. in mortal peril. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> he's in mortal peril because he's away from her. Yeah. Um. Uh, do y'all think that this is uh, supposed to be kind of an analogy to the Cold War doomsday clock? I don't know what that what? is. <laughs> so, it, okay, this is not, th- this is very well known. There was uh, oh. a team of journal, I think it was journalists and political science experts back in the Cold War that created what they called the Doomsday Clock. And it's basically how close are we to a like hot war with Russia? And so like, you'll hear, you know, like the expression, like minutes to midnight, like how close okay. we are to something that comes from the Doomsday Clock. Cause like it started off at something like 11 o'clock. And then as things progressed and like you get through like the Korean War and the Vietnam War and hostilities like are becoming more and more tense, it got up to like minutes to midnight. So it got to the point that it was like 10 minutes to midnight. And then I think the closest ever got was like seven or five or something like that. But basically it was like a, a very well known, uh, like a tool. metaphor. Yeah, kind of. like a, It's like a, with the terror code, like red, orange, blue. Like It's kind of like that, but way more easy to understand because everyone knows like when you're getting close to midnight. So it, it was a tool that they used to disseminate that information. Interesting. So I'm wondering if that's kind of where she got the inspiration for this, the idea. Because as we go on, one of the big like moments in future books is when she makes the cat or Molly makes the casual comment about, Oh, it's always like that these days, and everyone's hand is on mortal peril. Mm-hmm. So that would be like right, you know, when things are about to hit the fan. So that's right. why it made me think. I wonder if that was supposed to be kind of a an allusion to that. Yeah, I like that. Like I said, I'm reaching. I got I got theories and You're hot takes. I'm great. reaching. You've got long arms, so that's why you reach so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So it's the night before they all leave for Hogwarts. Mister Weasley comes home sweepy. <laughs> Apparently, Rita Skeeter has finally found out about Bertha Jorkins being missing. Yeah. 
Which that's probably for the best because then the people at home can help with the situation. Armchair detectives. Yeah, and it it's a really clever thing to have it be that way because in this situation, she's actually doing good, right? Like, it's good to show these bad things that the government is doing, like trying to cover up the disappearance of a of an official. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just proof that like I don't I truly don't think that Rita is an evil person. I think she just doesn't give a fuck. It's all She's about chaotic, what, neutral. Yeah, it's all about give me, you know, readership and my clout. And if the way to do that in one day is to do a huge expose on government corruption, she's going to do it. If it, the next mm-hmm. day it's to say that, you know, this person is having an affair, she'll do that. It doesn't matter. It's just mm-hmm. purely for like the clout. We know you have a hard on for Rita. Okay. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the glasses. Every time you see a beetle, you're like, <gasps> Oh my God. <laughs> oh my. A beetle. Is that a dung beetle? <laughs> <laughs> the shittiest beetle. <laughs> Please go. The old face palm. Well, I'll be logging off. <laughs> so happy you were here, Andrew. <laughs> so I will say, and and I will fully say I didn't listen to last week's episode, so I don't know if you touched on this. But I have had a personal vendetta about the Winky situation since I was yeah. a child. Yeah. Where is she? <laughs> yeah. Is she okay? <laughs> She's definitely not okay. I mean, same, but (laughs) I just like, I know later on she develops a drinking problem and like I worry about her, but it does bring me up to like one, we love Hermione and the SBEW, but the whole thing I don't super understand is when they do like the slave thing where it's like, they don't pay her obviously. And then she's like very, against being set free whereas dobby was like bitch yes please (laughs) so is the fear that they don't they won't have like a stable home and stuff if they're set free i don't know man i don't it's like it's not it's not fully covered that's why i i'm like i feel like winky is being like forcibly evicted from the crouch household right now i feel like barty crouch is having to like really get into it with her and then i feel like he goes i feel like he has to be the one to go to dumbledore and be like dude i need you to take this fucking house elf (laughs) off my hands this is a nightmare you have other house elves to take give them this house elf please it's like at a at a club when like drunk girls are like passing on the super drunk friend to the other ones they're like it's my turn to dance take her yeah (laughs) like house elves in general are really interesting in a kind of bad way item in or uh tool thing in this uh, series because they're always treated as like with the same the way that wizards talk about house elves is the same way that like slave owners talked about slaves back in the day it's better Mm -hmm. for them they want to do it they would be lost without it like it's what they're made to do they're meant to be subservient Mm -hmm. it's all this Mm -hmm. gross shit but the really fucked up thing is that jk rowling took that and then made it real and once again, it's something that like you don't notice when you're a kid, but it's really fucked up because she uses the same exact arguments that like they're better off this way. They like it like that. They wouldn't know what to do. It's just fucked yeah, up. It's very fucked up. I think we've said before that she like t- takes on an issue that she's not prepared to talk about, but she like kind of doesn't even take it on. She, as always, is just kind of like blustering into things and then being like, actually, fuck it. That sounds like a lot of work. And then, yeah. like, blustering back out again. It's like she goes to make a point and, 
like you said, just like, uh, oh, that would be hard. Uh, yeah, just like, I'm just going to leave this here. Interpret it yourself. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to rewrite that either. Well, so. I was also going to say, maybe don't put that in a children's book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, for sure. But like the one semi-redeeming thing about it is that makes like Dobby is one of my favorite characters. So I think that also to me is what's also really great about him is that he, you know, for lack of a better term like gets out and that like he's so excited to have his new life and like Mm -hmm. later on we see him with like his little socks and his trainers and he's like living his best life and like I love that but it is a bit of a commentary of that he's so excited to do those things and all of the other elves are like no 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 we can't do that and right you bring up a good point especially because like Dobby could have been an even greater character if she had dug more into that right like if she had taken the challenge to show him as a like a beacon to other house elves to like wake them up right like if that had been dobby's role if instead of just being the hero that he was he had also tried to actively and like we see him kind of try but everyone shuns him because like that would be a really cool like addition to his arc if he had started the movement to like you know get these the slave class to basically realize like fuck this you Mm -hmm. know it seems that they're so scared that they don't want to or like that's the worst thing to do is to leave again is kind of the same social commentary about the the slaves you're talking about i just can't help but think that she started off with the intent to tackle something big like that and then like just decided midway through like yeah oh fuck this nah Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Percy and Hermione kind of get into an argument about Winky again, and it's yes. funny and awkward because they're usually both really polite and, um, you know, yeah, proper. Um, I was going to say, stepping into our one of my favorite visuals is uh, Ron receiving the beautiful dress robes. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, they, it's Mrs. Weasley did the shopping while they were at the Quidditch World Cup. Um, so yes, Ron receives his frilly, frilly ass dress robes. With a moldy looking lace frill at the collar and matching lace cups. Gross. <laughs> My thing is like, so it sounds like she thrifted them and in, in whatever right. the wizarding world version of that is. Did they not have anything that wasn't that? <laughs> 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 like, I, I don't know, but... In uh, in the movie adaptation, I think it's also like they do a great job. I know the delivery of the dress robes is different because it comes as like an owl delivery in the movies. But I do just love the way in both that he's like, I'm not wearing this. It's gross. <laughs> it smells like an old woman. <laughs> Here's the thing. Why not just wear your fucking everyday outfit, which looks exactly the same. Like the dress robes are... Just they're just the robes. robes. Exactly. At least in the film, you know, it's like it's just robes. Just wear your normal everyday. It's black, dude. You'll be fine. Also, yeah. like there isn't some kind of like magic you can do on it, like ink is blackest or something to make it like not oh. maroon. Like yeah, interesting. Something. Yeah, maroon's not the color. <laughs> it's, it's not the look. Not for yeah. him. Not for his rosacea tinted face. That's not the way to go. I have dated a ginger before, and I had to teach him that he can't wear, really shouldn't be wearing orange, red, or or hot, hot pink. Hot, 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 hot pink. <laughs> so, yeah, Mrs. Weasley comes in, and Ron's like, you fucked up, give me Ginny's dress, and Mrs. Weasley's like, nah, dude, that's all you. That's for you, my dude. 
<laughs> um. Yeah, Harry gets some sexy green robes. Yeah, to match his eyes. Yeah. Do you realize what amazingness we missed out on? What? Please let us So know. it makes the comment that Molly got him, I think they say bottle green yeah. robes to match his eyes, which means that if they had stuck with that in the movie, we would have seen Harry rocking some incredible, like, bright ass blue dress robes. It would have been like Dumb and Dumber. Like, he would have had. Is bottle just... green like that green? Well, it, no, because bottle green is supposed to be his eyes, but they made, like, Dana Radcliffe, you know, famously couldn't wear the contacts. So yeah. he had famously sucks at contacts. Yeah, just contact Stupid ass 11 year old. Get it together. so mad. You're the chosen one. Put the fucking contacts in. But that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, if his eyes, since his eyes were blue, we could have gotten these crazy blue dress robes. Yeah. Would have just been so amazing. That would so have been good. lovely. They would have. I always imagine them to be more of like, you know, Minerva McGonagall's robes where they're like that emerald green. That's kind of what I picture when I was reading the yeah. chapter. Was it picturing like a like a troll bogey green? <laughs> a booger green. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how like Ron is so mad. He's like, what the fuck? He gets these like okay ones and I get these like shit ones. Well, this so would be though. a great opportunity for Harry to help a friend in need. Right? Like mm-hmm. he's got all this extra cash in the bank. Yes. Help a man um, out. But Harry doesn't. Harry's like, sucks to suck. Well, not <laughs> only does he not do that, he gives himself an excuse because he's like, I would love to help out. I would split my money with them, but uh, they'd never take it. So I'm not even gonna Dude, ask. <laughs> buy him, buy him the fucking dress robes and just give. I I guarantee you he will wear them instead of the fucking maroon ones. Yes. Just buy them and give them to him. Just well, don't here's even- the other thing is, I mean, Harry's 14, and I mean Molly Weasley just showed up with this day. I don't I don't think he would know how to get dress robes. He would have to go through Molly to make that happen. I'm sure they got mail order stuff, right? He doesn't know how any of that stuff works. He's a fucking idiot. No, for real. He really has no idea how that works. (laughs) That's fair. He only, like, if you see an ad in the Daily Prophet, which they are not even getting yet. They get that later in this book. Um, Anyway, Mrs. Weasley basically is like, stop whining and go naked if you don't like these robes. And she tells Harry to get a picture because she could use a laugh. (laughs) I was going to say, too. Like, I know you mentioned, like, the bitch with the writing. Like, she does do a good job of writing like a mom. And just the mm-hmm. way that she's like, fine, go naked. See if I care. <laughs> like, that's such like a, a tired mom thing to yeah. say. Like, after all the kids she's at, she's like, fuck it. I'm g- go naked. Then. I just genuinely <laughs> could not care less. <laughs> yes. She's like, I'm going to fuck. Go get expelled. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I wish you would. <laughs> I know. And then he's like, in his feelings, like, why is everything I own rubbish? And it's like, that's such like, a great, like, teen angst thing to say while like stroking pig and just like <laughs> everything's trash everything's <laughs> trash poor, poor ron he he needs he desperately needs some simple plan in his life and Aww. he's the right age for it and how could it just, this happen to me i've made my mistakes i'm just a kid and life it's a nightmare <laughs> it's true all this is true <laughs> i know that it's not fair Nobody knows, and I'm alone in the world. He's having more fun than me tonight. All right, I'm calling, I'm calling. Because every night <laughs> is the worst night ever. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about this chapter? 
just that I am with Hermione wholeheartedly on SPEW. And Aww. I do not believe that Winky should be treated this way, which led to her substance abuse. Right. <laughs> I I would say that I support I support house elves. I don't know if I like really support Hermione because she just like isn't going about it right. She's pretty annoying about it throughout the tries. Film. But also that's like kind of the narrative like frames her in this obnoxious way. Mm-hmm. So it could have done it her better. <laughs> you know, you, you raised a good point and like we have to constantly remember these are, you know, like 14 year olds. And yeah. I think I, I can totally see Hermione being smart enough and ambitious enough to try something like this and go about it the wrong way. Like you see it a bunch oh, with yeah. like young, like passionate people that want to try and do activism and they end up not realizing that like, you know, you're a 14 year old white kid. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you want to help out, but like, you're doing it the wrong way. Like you need right. to listen more and like learn so that you can actually help out. Right. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is like Hermione is destined for greatness. Like she's going to do amazing things. She's the brightest the, witch of our age. Exactly. And like, <laughs> this is her like all passion, no skill. Right. And like, as she grows, the skill will overcome and or rather it will come and like make her, as capable as she gets. But right now this is just her like, oh, this is awful. I got to do something. And it's like, yeah, but like, hold on. Like, right. It's like, a very like adolescent way to approach though. So. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the kid that's like, just get along. Why don't the countries <laughs> just get along? <laughs> but why don't they just get along? Come yeah. on. <laughs> it's like me in traffic. I'm like, just go. Just, just then, there go. Be, then there wouldn't be traffic. <laughs> <laughs> If, if everyone just goes, <laughs> I'm, you're right. That is that is what would cure traffic. As a as a solid 28 year old woman, I still stand by that belief. <laughs> just go, just go. Well, are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? I think so. Are you doing a joke, Andrew? No, I honestly, I always it's freeze. Pensive. Okay, well, I got it. Just I'll stall. I would love to start by plugging our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support us over on Patreon and gain access to our Discord community server. It's a really fun place to be. Um, For the $5 a month tier, you can get access to our monthly bonus episodes. This month's bonus episode will be the audio from a live show we did uh, along with the RVA Book Lovers Festival back in May. Um, that was with Mary Clay over on That's What I'm Talking About. What the fuck is wrong with me? Obviously her podcast, obviously her podcast, which I've guessed it on like 10 times, is called That's What I'm Talking About because it's about the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm sorry, gang. I'm tired, yo. <laughs> sorting Lord of the Rings characters into Hogwarts houses. So um, you definitely want to give it a listen. Victoria, do you want to be found on the internet? I can be found on the internet if you want to. My Instagram is that's what V said, because that's what she said. (laughs) And um, I do actually really want to plug one of my best friends. His name is Jason. He's a poet. Uh, He's written a book. He's a spoken word artist. And he also does really wonderful podcasts and the one one of his podcasts I want to plug is called Interviews. So it's like interviews, but like inner. <laughs> yeah. Like so it's inner I N N E R and then X views on uh, Spotify. And he's really great. He talks to a lot of local artists, local people, just about their selves, kind of challenging them and what they can do to further themselves individually and you know, 
just want to plug that. He's a great guy. Nice. nice. Hell yeah. Andrew, what about you? What do you have to plug this week? I, I might have plugged this before, but it would have been a few years ago. So I'm going to go ahead and plug it again. I'm a firm believer in one of the problems that we are all going through right now is we're taking in way too much news. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but we're taking in the wrong type of news. We're taking in the Rita Skeeter, try and get as much, as many clicks as possible, right? And so one of the things that I really enjoy is when you get people who break down news stories and don't just go for like the top level. They really dig into it and kind of explain how every issue that we think of is way more complex than we give it mm-hmm. rights to be, right? And uh, particularly the group that does, it's called Some More News. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's incredible. They they really do a great job of blending in humor with very serious subjects and kind of digging deep. And it's nice because it's like once a week and it's about an hour long uh, at most. And they kind of really dig into a subject so you can like take it in, understand the really like complicated bits that are, you know, parts of the, these things that are in everyday uh, life or in the news or whatever. Right. But you don't have to like go to a site that's just like, you're going to die. Right. It's, yeah. You know, it's instead like, well, let's see, are you actually like, let's actually mm-hmm. dig into this. So uh, I think that's what I'm going to go with, uh, go with this week. Awesome. Thank you so much. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at Christina, the con. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina con, and you can follow me on TikTok at sprouts private stash. And, um, I recently read the dead zone by Stephen King. Pretty good book if you like King, um, but I found it to be interesting and diverting. So, oh, and um, can can sorry, can I plug like a PS thing? Yeah. So, um, on my Instagram, like in this past year, I removed a lot of like negative stuff and started following like body positivity and like just better mental health yeah. stuff to look at. And um, one of my favorites to look at, they post every Sunday. It's called the Happier Broadcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. They every mm-hmm. they just post like good news from around the world. Aw. So that's a really great one. I so love that. It's nice. a happier yeah. podcast. <laughs> we all need some of that, some of that good news. Yes. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a blast.com. Thanks for Yay. having me. Yes, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, and Andrew, thank you as always for being my trusty co-pilot. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> all right, gang. I gotta go finish reading Butterbeer for the Teenage Soul by Cyber Toaster before this book starts weeping. <laughs> Bye. 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 Woo. We did it. That was a very non-anything happening chapter. The Restricted Section is thrilled to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features amazing other podcasts such as My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. My Cabbages is an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that was started by two lovable nerds during a global pandemic to stave off their inevitable existential crisis. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago. The four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you. Sitting there on a seal, 
Well, now look it back at me. I'm on a, on a even bigger scene. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. Waterfall. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. I pulled up a file. I was looking really hard for like a really specific podcast file, and I saw an audio file that I'm not sure what's inside of it, but it just says Andrew dash wizard country music. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) I don't remember it. I'm going to listen to it later. Oh, that's a... That's a gem. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Hard. I don't remember what episode it's from, but I definitely Me remember. Neither. Yeah. Well, when you're going downtown and you fall in ditch, gotta get back up on that hippogriff. Go for a ride, land in the square. No one will even know that you're there. Then it goes into a great rest. The rest of the song's amazing. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.